Okay, hey, we uh, are starting a new series we're really excited about called Canon Event, okay? Uh, Canon Event, uh, and isn't this, this not good? Not good. Uh, we could shout out um, our homie uh, Joey, who does our graphics for us uh, for youth. Uh, he's been killing it. So, Joey, if you're watching this, thank you so much. Uh, and if we'll see Joey at camp. He's going to be the one running wreck. And so would you guys say thank you for all our dope graphics, okay? And, yes, these are comic books. Uh, and so you can kind of don't spend too much time, especially while I'm preaching, trying to figure out what they are. But we could do that later, okay? But so the series that we're going to do uh, for the next six to seven weeks is on the books of Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. Okay, so raise your hand if you've seen the new Spider-Man. Anybody seen the new Spider-Man? Okay, so if you've seen the new Spider-Man, there's this thing that they commonly reference, which is called a canon event. Okay, does anybody know what a canon event is? Chris? Okay, because you don't know? You don't want to answer it? Why? You think it's bad? Oh, okay, okay, all right, we're going to remove all that. Basically, here's the idea. A canon event, according to Spider-Man, <clears throat> is an event that has to happen in order for the grand plan to play out. Does that make sense, right? Is that, am I on track with that? Would you say I'm right? So it's something... That's important even to the development of the main character. It has to happen for the character to develop to who they're supposed to be and for the story to play out how it's supposed to play out. Does that make sense? Okay? So we've already talked about a lot of canon events in the Bible, right? The creation story, right? We have Adam and Eve. That's pretty substantial to the whole, like, humans thing, right? So, like, that has to happen. And there's a lot of things. So, and raise your hand if you know that God has a plan. Everybody? So I'm not, canon event is also just a, a, a pop culture way to explain what we're trying to say. So I'm not going to be preaching about canon events. I don't really care what canon event means. Does that make sense? Basically what I'm preaching about is Joshua, the book of Joshua, the character of Joshua, the judges, which are many characters, and Ruth are really important characters to the story of the Bible. Does that make sense? And the things that happen in their lives and the things that God uses them to do are very important for the plan of redemption in the Bible. Does that make sense? The plan that points toward Jesus. And as you know, as we've worked through Genesis, Exodus, and all this other stuff that we've been teaching for a long, long time, everything points to Jesus. And so it has to go according to God's plan to get to Jesus. Does that make sense? And obviously God is a master planner because he knows that we're going to mess it up sometimes. We've read that so many times that the Israelites keep messing it up, messing it up, and messing it up. Uh, but God has a plan that's bigger than all of that. And his plan and his ways and his will will be done with or without us. Amen? So that's why we've named this series Canon Event. For two reasons. One, to be silly and fun because Spider-Man just came out. But two... So that you'd recognize that these stories are really important to the plan that points to Jesus. Cool beans? Are we on the same track? Okay. And we have some cool stuff that we'll be sending out uh, via Instagram and things like that. That uh, We actually have a comic 
uh, box. It's not the whole strip, but the one thing uh, that talks about why why doesn't he come to Echo Youth? All right, it's going to be really funny, and you post it, and then maybe tag some people who haven't shown up in a while. Okay. Um, a little bait and switch. Um, that was a little extra. Okay. Okay, so what we're going to do tonight, though, everybody say tonight. Tonight, I'm going to go through a whole book. Just kidding. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through the important parts of one of the books, and then we'll move on. And so this one's going to be a little different than Genesis and Exodus. Genesis and Exodus, I went through the whole books, right? We talked about it. It was really important. It was really good. Now, this series, we're going to talk more about, because there's so much in between, uh, we're going to talk more about the main characters of these books that I've talked about. Does that make sense? So tonight, drum roll please, tonight we're talking about Joshua, okay? So Joshua is a book in the Bible and a main character. Not the main character. Who's the main character? Anyone who was in the high school small group last week knows that. Okay, so the main character is who? Yes, all of that. (laughs) The Godhead. Uh, Okay, so, but there's this book, Joshua. It comes after, and let's build a little bit of background here. So we have Genesis, Exodus, and then if you you know your Bible, you know that I'm skipping a little bit because there's uh, uh, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. And let me kind of talk about that. Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy are all three still in the time of Moses. Okay, we love Moses. Moses is cool. Moses is the real one. Okay, so Leviticus is a book about laws, priests, and purification. Okay, it's a lot of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Wear this if you're a priest. Don't wear this if you're... Does that make sense? Okay, so it's, it's not really conducive to what we're trying to teach right now. Okay, Um. Numbers, most of numbers is censuses. Does anybody know what a census is? A census is like, uh, a census is, what's the other word I'm trying to think of? Um, it's basically just counting, the, yeah, population is a census. Does that make sense, everybody? So they have a, the census of people, census of tribes, camps. Um, and then also in the book of Numbers, there's more Israelites complaining, pretty on brand. Um, and then Joshua is named successor to Moses. Also in the book of Numbers, which is important to the story of Joshua, is uh, they discover that the promised land, uh, or at least a portion of the promised land, is going to be at this place called Jericho. And they have to go and overtake Jericho. Okay, And so um, the thing is, they sent out 12 spies. Everybody say 12 spies. Okay, 12 spies, uh, the number 12 is significant. Uh, it has to do with uh, the 12 tribes that are there, okay? So they send 12, a complete uh, uh, number there for the tribes. And here's the thing, 10 people come back with a bad report. They say that Jericho is cool and all, but that it's unsafe, unlivable for us, and there's giants there. If we try to take it, they'll kill us all, Okay? Then two people had some faith. And these two people, their names are Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua said, nah, it's cool. The Lord has delivered us before. He'll deliver us again. We'll go and take what's ours. Tough, right? But then, so then we have, that's in Numbers. Then we have this whole book of Deuteronomy, which Deuteronomy is, is, is more complex than this, but, but 
uh, in, if I can simplify it a little bit, Deuteronomy is kind of like a recap of all that has happened before. Does that make sense? So it kind of talks about the uh, Ten Commandments, the uh, them in the wilderness, the different things that we've already read about. So there's some new stuff in there that's pretty cool, but it's basically just uh, a recap with a little at, added stuff. Make sense? And at the end of Deuteronomy, it says that Moses dies. Okay? Moses dies. Not a bad death. He just dies. He's old. He's like 185 or something like that when he dies. Um, so Moses dies, and God chooses Joshua to be the next one in charge. And he tells Joshua that I will speak to you as I spoke to Moses, which is a pretty cool thing. As you know, uh, Moses had a really tight relationship with God. And so Joshua is now supposed to be the mediator between God and the people. Does that make sense, everybody? The cool thing that we understand about Joshua in reading this book is that Joshua was tough as nails, okay? Joshua was a warrior. Joshua was the one leading the army. Remember when Moses did the whole arms thing? And like they were losing when his arms were down and they were winning when his arms were up? Does anybody remember that? Joshua was the one leading the battle. So Joshua has a few dubs under his belt, victory royale, okay? And, uh, and so Joshua's pretty legit. And something uh, that I see here, and in, in, if you have your Bibles, we're just going to be in the first few chapters of Joshua. But what I see in the, in the first chapter of Joshua is that three different times, how many times? Three, three different times, God says to Joshua... Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is Joshua 1.9, which says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Kind of cool, right? And so God, whenever God repeats something, it's really important. Whenever God says it three times... <laughs> You just add some sauce on it, okay? And so God is telling Joshua, I've got a different and special call for you, different than Moses. And your call is to be strong and courageous, which makes sense considering what God's about to call him to do. Some crazy stuff, okay? So what happens next, um, so so. Recap, you know, Genesis, all the cool stuff. Exodus is them leaving Egypt. Jo the book of Joshua is essentially, if I were to title it, I would say it's go time. Okay? It's about to go down. The Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years. A whole generation died in the wilderness. Moses disobeyed God at the very end, and God said, hey, you know what? You're not the guy to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Love you, but it's going to end with you. That sucks. But they were there for a long time. Now it's go time. It's ready to go, right? The promised land is at hand. We're going to go take it. We're going to go. Make sense? And so um, the story revolves around the promised land. If we would have read all the way through all those other books, we would have heard the, the term the promised land. Something they say is that it's filled with milk and honey. Sounds good. Anybody like milk and honey? Raise your hand if you like milk and honey. Danielle taught me a life hack one time. And you could steal this. I won't even say anything. Uh, but, you know, you, um, anybody like cereal? Raise your hand if you like cereal. Okay. 
here's the thing. I just want to clear this up as well. Uh, it's cereal first and then milk or you're a sociopath. So I, I, I don't know what to tell you, okay? Um, so cereal first. Hey, let, let's just take a rule of thumb in general, okay? Anything, any sort of concoction like that, it's the solid item first and then uh, the liquid, okay? So also in and out. That's how the root beer floats are supposed to be, okay? It's ice cream first, and then, and then the soda. It's the rule of thumb. Y'all just agreed. You all said, you all said, yeah, that's true, and then, and then you said no. Okay, listen, listen. That doesn't make sense. Okay, all right. <laughs> doesn't make sense. Solid ice cream and then just let it flow. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, how did we get there? What am I doing? Okay, milk and honey. The land of milk and honey. Okay, what, remi- what that reminds me of is this really great place up the street off of Avery called Milk and Cookies. Fire, okay? So fire. We'll have to go there sometime. But anyways, this place was supposed to be awesome. Milk and honey. The life hack. Rewind that. Hey, we have fun here. Get over it. Okay. The life hack is when you, when you make your little cereal, right, you pour. Here's how you do it. You pour the cereal in, unholster the honey, drizzle that honey on top, and then pour the, pour the milk. And so it's on top. It's really good. And then at the end, you scrape the bowl with your spoon, and there's honey at the bottom. Ooh! Another one, another one, another life hack. This is way off topic. I'm sorry. But another life hack Danielle taught me. Anybody trying to get gains while they eat their cereal? There's two life hacks here. Here's the gains. Life hack. Get the biggest spoon you have. Peanut butter. And then the cereal sticks to the peanut butter. And it's all milky and good. And uh, it's scrum diddly umptious, okay? And you eat it like that, Okay. Uh, other one, if you're, if you're crazy and wild, this is a Brett life hack. If, if you are like, if you're trying to get white trash in trouble and all sorts of, all sorts of stuff, you just throw the pro- protein powder in the, in the, in the cereal, mix it on up, send it. Gains and cereal at the same time. That's also how you get fat. Okay, so, but listen, I'm a little chubby, but I'm still strong as heck. Okay, so the protein's working. Um, I just got a little extra love, but I'm trying to lose it. I've been counting calories. Okay, stop, Brett. So Joshua's going to lead these people to the milk and honey. Joshua's in command, Okay. So what happens next is Joshua sends some spies again to Jericho. He says, all right, we're going to send two this time. The whole 12 thing didn't really work. The two of us were great, so we're going to send two again. When the two spies get there, what they do is they spy. uh, They spy. They look at things. They check things out. But then they have to find refuge because uh, they don't want to be found out. So what happens is is they, they... they find refuge in, this, in the home of a woman named Rahab, who it says Rahab, in the Bible says Rahab was a harlot. Which means Rahab was a prostitute. Okay, we could be real mature in this place. But what that means was Rahab was a sinful woman. This is important to the story uh, because what happens is Rahab secures these folks, hides them, keeps them safe, and when they're leaving 
they tell her, or she asks them, because I've kept you safe, when you overtake the city, she says, we've heard of the things that Yahweh has done. We've heard about the Red Sea. We've heard about all this stuff. When he comes to take his city, would you ask him to keep us safe? And they tell her, because of what you've done, you and your family will be safe. But you have to give us a sign. They put like a little red thing out the window. And okay, but the reason this is important, remember everything points to Jesus. The reason this is important is that very sinful people can find refuge in the Lord because his mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen? And so this is a really beautiful story of grace. Someone who's lived a very sinful life and isn't, isn't righteous in the eyes of, of God, but makes a righteous stand and does what? Believes in God. And then her and her family are saved. How cool is that? Okay? So we keep moving on. Uh... And God tells uh, Joshua, he says, hey. It's about to go down. He says, why don't you cross the Jordan River? They cross the Jordan River, and here's what happens. There's people carrying the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. Okay, we don't need to get into too much. It's in Indiana Jones, kind of cool. Okay, so anyways. So they go to cross the Jordan River. When they step into the river, the people who are carrying, the 12 people who are carrying uh, the Ark of the Covenant, when they step into the river, the river stops flowing up above, it parts, and it becomes dry so they can walk through. Kind of cool. Also important. Remember, the first generation died. This is the next generation. It's a reminder that God says, hey, remember the, the, the dude you've heard about who parted the Red Seas? The Red Sea and, and, and led these people out of Egypt? It's still me. And I'm going to lead you into something else. Does that make sense, everybody? Right? So they go through uh, the, the crossover of the Jordan. Um, and what they do is God asks them to take 12 stones from the river. Uh, 12 is important, right? Take 12 stones in remembrance, and they build an altar with the 12 stones, okay? Next thing, this is one of my favorite parts. In chapter 5 of Joshua, there's this very interesting story. And I'm going to paraphrase it here, and then we'll come back later. The Bible says that Joshua saw a man in armor with his sword drawn. Now, someone who's in armor with a sword drawn is ready to go. You don't draw your sword unless you're going to kill someone. So, do you remember what God said to Joshua at the beginning? What did he say to Joshua? Three times. Be what and what? Strong and courageous, okay? And so what does Joshua do? If I saw someone, like I'm walking down the street and someone's got a gun drawn, I'll be like, hey, look, it's cool. I could go the other side. Like, that's fine. Hey, have a nice day. Also nice to meet you. Right? But you know what Joshua does? This dude's got his sword drawn, and Joshua goes, what's up? <laughs> right? Joshua wants to smoke. Tough as nails. Joshua goes up. When he goes up, right, he asks this question. He says, are you for us or are you for them? And the man in armor responds, he says, no. What? He says, no. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. Or other translations say, no, I now come as general of the Lord's armies. And Joshua hits the deck. Right? And he worships. And then it goes further. He says, take off your shoes. You're at holy ground. 
right? So sick. Okay. And then next comes the plan, the craziest plan they've ever heard. He says, all right, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go and you're going to march around Jericho for six days, one time each day. Just march around it. Okay. On the seventh day, I want you to march around it seven times. So imagine you're like, we're going to fight Jericho. We're going to take him over. Just, now just walk around it, kind of like a, like a parade, like a protest or something. Okay. Pitchforks and all that kind of stuff. Just kidding. But no, he says, don't, he says, don't yell. Shut up. Be silent. Just walk around it. On the seventh day, you walk around it seven times. On the seventh time, we're going to blow the trumpets and you're going to shout. And when you shout, the walls will fall. Okay, so do we like hit the walls with anything? No, we're just going to shout and the walls will fall. That's crazy. Raise your hand if you think that's crazy. Right? Once again, we're going to use the great example of a zombie apocalypse. Okay, so like if the zombies are rolling up and I'm like, and I'm like okay, everybody, here's what's going to do. We're going to get the zombies into the parking lot. We're going to walk around them seven times. And then on the seventh time, we're going to scream at them, and they're all going to die. <laughs> You'd be like, bro, that's cool and all, but I'm out. <laughs> like, hey, hey, Brett, that's great, man. Hey, keep it real, brother. It's good. Hey, it's been awesome. Six years in youth ministry. You're great. Hey, I love you. Oh, hey, yeah, you're cool. Vince is cool, too. Vince, you want to come with me? All right. <laughs> right. It's like, that ain't going to happen, right? If I was, like, in the army, I'd be like, bro, you're crazy. Like, we're not going to just shout, and the walls are going to fall down. Is that, are you with me? But the crazy thing is, it happens just like God says it would. They go, they walk around every day for six days, and on the seventh day, they walk around seven times. On the seventh time, they blow the trumpets, they scream, the walls come down. And Jericho's caught like, like someone giving a speech in their underwear, right? <gasps> they take him over, it gets pretty gruesome. But uh, let's just say Israel wins, okay? Uh, and everyone in Jericho is wiped out except for who? Rahab and her family. And it actually says, and she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. She became a homie for real, for real. <laughs> so that's kind of a, a, a big deal, a canon event. In order for Israel... To get to the promised land, this crazy thing with Jericho, because their walls were too high, there's no way they were going to just win a fight. There had to be something crazy. God says, walk around seven times. On the seventh time, scream, shout, scream and shout. He says, shout, and the, and the city is yours, okay? And it happens. Anybody ever heard this story before? Joshua and the battle of Jericho. Here's the thing. I don't want to focus on this, actually. I wanted to tell you it because it's important, but the most important part of this story, I think, is back in chapter 5 with the man in the armor. So we're going to land there. Is that okay? So we're going to pay attention to some things. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or against, are you with me or against me, bro? And he said, no, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? 
And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals for your feet, from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. This is tough. We see many times in the Bible that an angel or the angel of the Lord shows up to send a message. Right? We've seen it many times. But here's the interesting thing that I have discovered while reading this. Well, I'm not the one who's <laughs> discovering it. I just am awakening to my ignorance. Um, this isn't an angel. You're like, what? I've always thought it was an angel, but here's why it's not an angel. A couple things. Um... Hold on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, real quick. Pay attention. It's a warrior with a drawn sword. That means it's about to go down. Joshua approaches. Why does Joshua approach? Because God called him to be strong and courageous. So if God's called us to be strong and courageous, then fear is rebellion. Fear is sin. Okay? So we have to be strong. We have to be courageous. We have to go and face the things that are in front of us. Okay? Um, he says, like you said, are you with us or are you with them? He says, no, neither are you with me? Adoration, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Is it an angel? No. Here is why it's not an angel. You can't worship an angel. So the response Joshua has is Joshua falls down and worships this being, right? There's a story in Revelation where John falls to his knees and worships an angel, and the worship says, stop, don't do that. I'm a servant like you. Get up. Worship God only. That's the response of an angel every time if you're to worship an angel. Stop doing that. <laughs> right? It's like if one of you were to bow down and worship me right now. Stop. That's weird. Okay? Also, get out. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, don't, don't do that. That's weird. We're the same. We're, we're on the same trajectory. We serve the same God. Worship him only. But what happens here? Joshua gets down worships this being, this person, this man, and the man says, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. What does that sound like? It sounds like the burning bush. Who was speaking at the burning bush? Yahweh. But here's the crazy thing. The Bible says you can't see Yahweh. So there's this man in armor that Joshua obviously sees, and we can't say it's Yahweh because if you see Yahweh, you what? You die. If you see Yahweh, the sword, <laughs> so who is it? It's Jesus. You're like, what? Now, it's, it's, this part's really confusing. It's obviously not baby Jesus to 30-year-old Jesus who died on the cross, right? But the Bible says that the word uh, in the beginning, the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus existed the whole time. So a couple times in the Bible, in the Old Testament, Jesus, or, or the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, shows up in a, in a, in a different form. Uh, and the reason that we know it's him is a couple of reasons. One, Jesus is always the one who mediates between us and the Lord. The other reason we know it's Jesus is because Joshua didn't die by the sword. Here's some cool stuff. Let's connect it. Remember the Garden of Eden, right? That sounded weird. The Garden of Eden. Everybody remember that? Okay. 
I'm talking really fast because it's cool. I'm nerding out, okay? Comic books. Okay, check this out. What happens afterwards, right? They get kicked out, and who guards the garden? Okay, yes, angels, cherubim, right? And someone with a what? A sword. If you were to try and enter into the presence of God again, what happens? You die by what? The sword. Because the sword is guarding the presence of God. So you can't see God's face because of the, the sword. So as the sword is drawn, if it was God, the sword goes in your belly. You're dead, okay? Because you can't possibly see the Lord. You're like, bro, this is crazy. Check this out. The reason, the only reason, here's the question I've always had since I was a little kid. How come you die if you see God, but you don't die if you see Jesus? The reason is because Jesus fell on the sword. So as, as we're looking as Joshua is, this is, a, this is a, in the book of Joshua, is an example of the cross. As he's looking at, right, the cross, Jesus dies, he goes, takes the keys, takes re- control of the Lord's army and says, I've won the battle, Satan, right here. Jesus is sword drawn and, he, and Joshua doesn't die because Jesus, it's portraying Jesus is the one who falls on the sword. He takes it for all of us. So the, the, the gospel is in this book, right? Here's the thing. Here's another one. Another thing that's really cool. Why did Joshua fall to his knees? Obviously because he knew it was God. But here's the thing. What question did Joshua ask? Joshua says, are you with us or are you with them? And God says, no. That's not the right question. The right question is from me asking, are you with me? What does that sound? You guys hear that? I don't know what that is. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Jesus? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> that threw me off. Okay. Now check this out. Check this out. He said, are you with us? Are you with them? He says, no. He drops to his knees. Joshua knows initially that's a stupid question because now he knows I'm in the presence of God. And the question we should never ask God is, God, are you on my team or not? You ever been there? I've asked that question. God, my life sucks right now. Are you for me or against me? Are you with me or not, God? And God simply says, no. That's the wrong question. The question that I've been asking you your whole life, Brett, is are you with me? Because once again, Brett and everyone in this room, it's not your story. It's mine. It's not your battle. It's mine. Jericho isn't yours. It's mine. So when you ask the question, are you with us or are you with them? God says, I'm not with either of you. Are you with me? This is the big lesson. Christianity is never asking Jesus to, to be our bud, to follow us. We often do that. We ask Jesus into our hearts and we say that we'll follow him, but oftentimes we're asking Jesus to follow us. Jesus, would you come along with me just in case the storm happens? But if nothing bad happens, you, you're, 
you're going to be chained up like a dog. Just follow me. Okay? And I'm only going to need you if stuff goes wrong. Jesus is like, nah, that, no. <laughs> Jesus says, that's not, that's not how it works. I've actually asked you to follow me. And so if we're going to be faithful Christians, which we all want to be, we come to youth group every week and we want to know Jesus more, and we've accepted Jesus into our hearts. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we need to be followers of Christ. Let me rephrase that. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we need to follow Christ. <laughs> right? We need to answer the question that he's asking, not ask him a different question. Check this out. We're going to point it to the New Testament always. On the cross. Everybody remember the, the story of the cross? On the cross, there's two thieves. And they have two different responses to Jesus. The first thief, thief? <laughs> the first thief says, hey, man, if you're really the son of God, would get us down from here. This is in uh, Luke, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. The thief says, hey, if you're really God, would you get us down? I mean, I might ask that. Anybody, can we be real, right? Jesus, the son of God, everyone says he's the real deal. He's the Messiah. He's on the cross next to you like, hey, bro, this hurts. And I know you got to do this whole thing, but do we? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know you got to do this for, the, for their sake, but like, I don't, you know? So that's what he says. He says, if you're really the son of God, get us down from here. What does that question sound like? It sounds like, are you with me or are you against me? What does the next thief say? The next thief says, I don't want to mess it up, so I'm going to read it. The next thief says, remember me when you enter your kingdom. What does that mean? The second thief is saying, and this is the story of Rahab. The second thief, sin and all, on the cross, for all of the things that they've done wrong, says, Jesus in death or life, I want to be with you. Doesn't matter if I die here or if we live somehow. Would you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And so he's not asking a question. He's telling him, I'd like to be on your team. And what is Jesus, how does Jesus respond to that thief? With salvation. Jesus says, today you shall be with me in paradise. God is not an extra in the movie that is your life. You know what an extra is? Extra is a person who gets paid $3 to stand in the back of a movie, right? Like when the crowd goes crazy, there's someone way back there, that's called an extra. God is not an extra in your movie. God's the main character of the whole story. Oh, there's nothing left. Whoops. So, uh, and it's, Kevin, would you come up and play wherever you are? Um, but band, I don't th I think we're running late, so I don't think we need to hit it today. Sorry. P play that song next week. <laughs> um, but I want to I drive this point home, okay? So we encounter a loving God. We encounter a God who's good. But here's the thing. We can only understand the grace of God if we understand the power and might of God. Does that make sense? Remember that Jesus 
in this story, or Jesus, a type of Jesus in this story, is in armor with his sword drawn. Right? And in the book of Revelation, oh, that was nice. In the book of Revelation, when Jesus comes back, how does Jesus come back? If you, if you don't know, Jesus comes back on a horse with sword drawn again. And so we think of Jesus as this passive, give me a hug, read me poetry, and let's, do, let's get mani-pedis together, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe Jesus is a mani-pedi dude because, I don't know, nail health. I don't know, okay? I'm not going to claim anything. But here's the thing. Jesus isn't necessarily the Jesus that the world wants you to think he is. Jesus is love, yes. But more so than just Love is a subcategory of who Jesus actually is. Jesus is holy. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is mighty. Jesus is, right? And at, the, at, at Jesus' holiness and righteousness and goodness, we should be in shock. <laughs> Man, what? And at the very power of God, here's the greatest illustration I've ever heard about the power of God. And Bill Doctrine, who spoke here once, uh, told me this when I was in college like back then <laughs> um, he said the power or the will of God is like a rushing river can you guys imagine that a rushing river and here's how the fear of God works have you guys ever heard about the fear of God and doesn't that sound kind of weird like, I'm supposed to be afraid of God you're not supposed to be afraid of God but you're supposed to be afraid of not being on God's team does that make sense like Joshua sees this warrior with a sword drawn. And imagine if Joshua was like, hey, yeah, us versus you, buddy. See you tomorrow on the playground, right? Like, like you're going you're gonna to die. Sorry. Like, that warrior versus the whole army, you're done. <laughs> you know? And so here's, here's what the fear of God is. is. The fear of God is like, the power of God's like a rushing river. If we're in line with it, it's taken us where we need to go fast. You guys ever felt like life is, even if life is bad, life is good because I just feel like I'm in tune with God and it's just, things are working and it's going and, and even if things are crumbling around me, I just feel like I'm close to God and I feel like I can find joy in suffering. Anybody ever felt like that, right? And it's not all the time, but sometimes we get turned sideways and here's the thing. If it's a rushing river, we get turned sideways. That kind of sucks. Water's coming in. We might even capsize. We might not even make it. Oh, but you know, it's the worst thing you could possibly do is try to go against the river. If you try to go against the river, you run out of steam, you run out of energy because you're fighting a fight you shouldn't fight. You're fighting a fight you can't win. And we find ourselves drowning in the very thing that was supposed to carry us to our purpose and our destiny. So don't ask Jesus if he's for you or against you. That's not the question. The question Jesus is asking you tonight is are you with me? Jesus is saying, are you on my team? And are you really on my team? Would everybody stand up and close their eyes with me real quick?
Here's the question Jesus is asking you. It's not simply if you're on his team, but are you really on his team? Are you the type of Christian that so far you've just been asking Jesus to be on your team and you haven't understood that it's not about that, but it's about being on Jesus' team? So Jesus, once again, with sword drawn, the river's going, and he's saying, hey, life has been tough because you've been sideways in my will, or life has been almost deadly to you because you've been opposed to me. And he's asking you the simple question of would you turn the other way and go with me? Would you be on my team? And whether you're a leader or a student or how, I don't care how long you've been a Christian, I'm re-asking this question to everybody in the room. Jesus is asking you all now, are you with me? And all I simply want you to do is raise your hand if you want to be with God on God's team, if you want to be with him in all of this. Just simply raise your hand. And you don't have to if you don't want to. That's cool. You could go again. You could go against the river. It's not going to work out well. But that's the question: Is do you are you with me? And here's the thing: Everybody's hand is raised in the room, and you guys can put it down. But here's the thing: We've made this choice, and so here's the thing: We have to remember: If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to follow Jesus. So what does Jesus say? What is He trying to tell us? And it's not about following rules. It's about living a life that's transformed. It's about living a life that's other, living a life that's set apart, living a life that's fulfilled. Because we want to live a life created by the Creator. Amen? And so let me pray over you as we go into this this next few months and we learn about all these canon events. As we learn about all these cool stories, but even as we just go into camp, even as we interact with our friends this summer, even as temptation comes this summer, let the question ring in our ears from Jesus, are you with me or not? And I want you to know this, that if you answer that question, yes, Jesus is always with you because it's not his, (laughs) it's not whether he's choosing to be with you or not. It's simply if you choose to be with him. The choice is yours. So let me pray. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this group. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy and how it follows us all the days of our lives. And like Rahab and like the thief on the cross, God, how your mercy always triumphs over judgment. And God, help us not to be too proud, but to ask for help. Help us to know, God, that this life isn't about whether you're with us, but it's whether we're with you. And it's your story, not ours. But here's the thing, Lord. We're so great, grateful to, to know that you have a plan for us. We're so grateful to know that you are the director and the creator of our very lives. You're the very one who gave us breath. And so as we move through our lives, as things seem to scare us, God, as things might bring us a level of anxiety. God, help us to release those things because it's not our story, it's yours. We don't need to take control of all of this. You do. We're on your team. We're following you and we're with you, Lord. And so do in our lives what you wish to do, God. Have your way in all in each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Be with us, lead us, and guide us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. It's good.